0: So I am so excited about my guest today. This is so crazy. I have an actual, real therapist, like an educated, trained therapist who's also a comedian. Uh, somebody I've been wanting to meet for a while. You can imagine why, because as you know, folks, I am a professional, self-proclaimed unlicensed therapist, and I am deep into it. I've been doing it for almost 20 years now. So I, I really love going head to head with. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get this guy. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm going to poke holes and see how see what you really get out of having a degree. OK, let's see. Let's see how we match up here anyway. He this guy, uh, we, will Wilson McDermott ha, is extremely educated and a a uh, and he performs all the time. So he has a Ph.D. guys in psychology, lives and works in New York, and he also performs regularly in clubs he's a shrink and he performs in clubs. Listen to this. He, he has a PhD in clinical psychology from American university. And he completed his internship at Brown university's clinical psychology internship consortium. And then a two year post fellowship at Brown University School of Medicine and then even a whole other one after that. And he does like he's like teaching and he does research and he has private practice and he's also like kind of a full time comic. Um, So uh, hi, Wilson. How do you do it all? You're like Beyonce, you're like the Beyonce of shrinks.
1: (laughs) The secret is to do a little bit of everything.
0: (laughs) Well, you must be a really busy guy. Uh,
1: I, I, I am busy. I am busy.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would
1: say. The, so. the bulk of what I do is is teaching and, you know, everything else sort of. Orbits around that.
0: Mm-hmm. So is so you have like a schedule set by teaching, right?
1: Right, right. So
0: exactly. w- which came first, the psychology or the comedy?
1: That is a really, actually, difficult question to, to answer. Um, but I'll, I'll explain it, and I think it'll make sense. In, as a kid, humor was very important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, joking around, making people laugh was very important to me. But it really accomplished nothing for me. Uh, in fact, I would even say that it caused problems for me. Were were
0: were you like a cut up, like the class clown? Uh, My
1: my classmates from high school would probably say that yes, I was a bit of a class clown. So Um, everybody,
0: you were identified as the funny kid in the class, like a lot of kids. Well, the
1: the kid who tried to be funny. Yes, I don't know how funny I actually was, but I certainly, I certainly, uh, I certainly tried. So that was in
0: your nature. That's in your nature. Yes. And what kind of comedy were you attracted to? Did you watch comedy on TV, comic books?
1: What Um, kind of stuff? Sitcoms, stand up. Um, I'm just trying to turn up my volume here a little bit. Great. I think it's as high as oh.
0: And um, did you did you listen to stand-up records?
1: I did. You know, I listened to a lot of Steve Martin. Oh, great uh, stuff. Yeah. And um, uh, Woody Allen and Robin Williams. And then in college, I discovered Eddie Murphy. Um, and. Uh,
0: so you were clear clearly a comedy kid you were into comedy you when you were growing up
1: i in yes in the sense that i i appreciated it Mm -hmm. and enjoyed it it never as a kid it never occurred to me to actually attempt it because Mm -hmm. the thought was just terrifying so i I put it out of my head
0: yeah so you you couldn't picture doing that right so any show business people in your family or anything like that
1: um no, um, I have a sister who's a, an artist, visual uh, artist. Uh, yeah. Uh, f- photography, drawing, mm-hmm. um, creative uh, painting. Very, very creative ceramics. Mm-hmm. A little bit of, you know, everything. Uh, right.
0: So how did you become a shrink? Like, what the hell were you thinking?
1: <laughs> OK, so um, by the end of college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I just knew that. Whatever my job was, it had to involve people. Um, And so uh, after college, my girlfriend was a senior after I graduated. So I stuck around and lived with her uh, the year after I graduated. I got a job at a at a psychiatric hospital and I was a mental health worker.
0: Oh, well, at a wet hospital.
1: Uh, psychiatric uh, mental, oh, hospital.
0: psychiatric mental, mental hospital without any training. How did you get the job? What were you thinking?
1: I just, I what, what a job. the hell
0: were you thinking? You were just like, I you just, mean, it was, it was just a job that anybody could get. You just applied for it or
1: Yeah. They, they put us through two weeks of training. Oh, okay. I, I think that was it. It was mostly, you know, taking patients from one building to the next, uh, bringing them from the, the, the place where they, you know, lived to, to the cafeteria. And when they tried to run away, we had to go chase them. Or if they.
0: So was it like a state hospital?
1: It was a, it was a private hospital, but there were some pretty severe. Uh, yeah. People yeah. with Severe
0: yeah.
1: mental yeah. illness, chronic, yeah. persistent mental. So you illness. were
0: really exposed to like the big the, the heavy duty cases. I don't have exactly. those cases in my practice. I don't have the, I don't have the goods. Well, so I. No, yeah. To, I mean, that's serious shit.
1: It, it was. It was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, so, so that did that pique your interest in being a shrink then?
1: Yeah. I, at that point I was interested in, uh, I thought about social work. I thought about psychiatry. Um, but the thing that was the most interesting to me was seeing the, the more senior therapist um, whether they were psychologists or, or social workers just doing talk therapy. Mm -hmm. And that was just fascinating to me. The, the idea that somehow you could help people by talking to them. I Mm. thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and I saw, I saw some people who I thought were really good at it. And I kind of thought to myself, that's what I want to do. And so when I started asking people, you know, what direction to go in, uh, they, they said, well, psychology is a, a good way to go if you're interested in talk therapy, if that's your, your main thing. Mm-hmm. And they'll, you know, they'll probably also want you to do some research because I didn't hadn't really thought about research before I got into graduate school, um, but ended up really kind of falling in love with research as well.
0: Right. Um, so that's, which, and does that involve a medical, you don't have a medical degree, Right.
1: But does it involve
0: a medical aspect, a physical aspect, or is it more observational?
1: It's it doesn't it does it only indirectly involves like a medical aspect. Uh So, so, you know, maybe in certain studies that I've done, I've gathered family history data on, uh, you know, family history of depression or, or other things like that. So really indirectly measuring.
0: But does it involve having pay. I mean, you do have your own practice, clearly, yes. right? Just yes. you do see patients. But yes. besides that, in research, are you actually do when you have research? Are you actually seeing patients?
1: Um, well, uh, in the past, yes. During covid, no. Oh. Uh, but um, but we you know, one of the things I did was we had people come in uh, to, to the lab for diagnostic interviews. And, uh, we did a lot of, um, measuring of personality and, uh, you know, uh, we we were actually studying comorbidity at at that, at that Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And, and more recently I've been doing, um, zoom interviews, uh, but research interviews on coping uh, in comedians actually um oh really wow. yeah how, the, how they cope with the the ups and downs of of the industry the the rejection the anxiety
0: not well i don't think they cope well with that at all you know i it's i probably too,
1: uh i i get why you say that um and maybe i haven't interviewed enough people
0: yet oh you know more about it than i do that's for sure yeah. well no i don't know
1: there's it's the the people i've interviewed have been in comedy for a while so they've they've gotten to the point where they have ways of coping
0: right right or they wouldn't have made it as far as they have. right right
1: right. um and they you know they they went through some uh periods of time where they the, the way they coped wasn't necessarily healthy uh but eventually found their way to um
0: yeah, you know, developing coping skills. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, um, I was wondering if you, you know, I always my OK. So my impression is that most people wind up being shrinks because they've been in therapy. I mean, my interest in therapy is because I was a patient starting at like age 18. But I think like did 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 you have any of that? Like you kind of fell into it in a weird way. Did you have any emotional issues that you were? I mean, I always the stereotype is that, you know, shrinks are all trying to solve their own issues or at least the idea of solving an interest, the interest in solving an issue issues is a pursuit as they see it as a pursuit. But it sounds like you kind of fell into it. So what about what about you? Did you have issues growing up or?
1: Well, I, I did. I really looking back on it, I really could have used some therapy like in high school and probably college too. Um, And it's, it's interesting that you ask because I think I was, there were sort of two parallel tracks going in, in my, you know, unconscious world. Mm -hmm. Uh, One was whatever was going on with me, which I kind of compartmentalized. And my interest in psychology, I think, just goes back to the dysfunction I witnessed in my own family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and and that somehow, uh, like you were saying, um, it was like somehow I was going to solve those problems by going into psychology, I think. You did Although, think that. Did well, you, or the, I, or- looking back on it, I think that's what was going uh, on in my mind.
0: So were you like the normal one in a crazy family? Or what was your role? What was your family like? Uh, Well, I
1: was the baby. So that that was my role was like to be the the fun distraction. I think
0: Mm -hmm. how many Uh, kids? Five.
1: Oh, okay. Wow. Well, there were there were because because I have three half siblings. And one whole sibling. There were there were never more than three siblings in the house at any given time. uh,
0: But your parents, somebody had some kids they brought they brought to the exactly party exactly.
1: exactly. And then you
0: you were the product of that. You're both your parents.
1: Yes, and one of my sisters was also uh, the product. So they brought some kids.
0: They they got some kids together, and then they made a couple more.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Hmm. And what was the chaos? That's so many kids. How can anybody handle that? That's chaos. I mean, how can that not be chaos? But what what do you think? What did your par- what did your how did your parents make a living or
1: uh, my my mom was a uh, homemaker, raised the kids mm-hmm. and my dad. Um, he t- ended up t- he was like George Bailey and it's a wonderful life. He, he wanted to be in the Merchant Marine, but he ended up taking over the family business. Uh, he kind of had to take over the family, which
0: business. was
1: OK. It's a little hard to explain. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, oh, I see. Now we're talking drugs, drugs, export, no export the back of trucks. Mafia. No, not McDermott. No. Go ahead. Uh, Sorry. Uh,
1: no, that's OK. Um, it was he 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 ran a company that um, acquired and then sold slag uh, slag. Slag, S-L-A-G.
0: A flags.
1: Uh, S as in Sam. L as in laughter. A as in Apple. And G as in green, Slag.
0: Slag with an S. Yes. What the hell yes. is that?
1: That is the waste product that um, is created when you make steel. So Steel. Yeah. So his company would go to steel mills and say, hey, we will get the slag off your property and clear it out and get it out of your way if you let us have it. And then we'll do things with it. So slag is, they use it for um, railroad track bedding, Uh, those those white rocks with holes in it, that's slag. So
0: it's like a a business with a product that is sold to, it's it's a B2B folks, it's a business to business business. Yes, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's exactly but involved, right. But it, it could have been quite, quite large, like uh, were there a lot of was there money in this business? But I mean, were there? it sounds like the kind of business where you'd have to have a lot of offices and employees and systems and.
1: Well, he, ha- he had 100 employees. Oh, OK. Uh, the, the biggest expenses were related to the equipment. They had lots of, you know, bulldozers and slag,
0: ho- slag help, help, hel- holders.
1: Right, right. Slag could-
0: slingers. You need a right, lot right. of slag slingers. No, that's
1: exactly right, because you needed so, to move it around.
0: So how do you think your father felt about doing that?
1: It was not, <laughs> it was not what he wanted to do.
0: Slagging he, around.
1: Yeah, he did not want to slide. He wanted to. <laughs> He wanted to be on boats and travel the world. Wow. Which he eventually did after he retired. Uh, okay. He was actually forced into retirement because this when the steel industry crashed in Chicago, uh, they, they brought my dad's company down with them because uh, he was entirely dependent on them. Mm-hmm. So steel crashed in like 80, 81. Uh, so his, he went bankrupt. Um, he Managed to sell off all his inventory, so he was able to retire.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, then
1: he got kind of bored mm-hmm. and joined the
0: merchant marine. So, how was it emotionally fraught, though? Uh, well,
1: it was, it was, it was an absolute roller coaster. What um, do you mean? Well, the when the company went bankrupt, um, we didn't think we were. We thought we were going to be homeless. You know. Oh, in your uh, family. Yeah. Um, and how did your dad handle that? Not well.
0: Like, like what, with anger or? Oh, no, yeah,
1: I mean, with depression and, uh, you know, needing to be hospitalized and it was hospitalized bad. Hospitalized
0: for depression?
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And how, was... and
0: how did, how did your family cope? Was your mom good with that or that's a rough one. So our,
1: our family was not good at handling even regular emotions. So when you talk about extreme emotions like depression, um, I mean, we we got to the other side of it, but I wouldn't say we coped in a healthy way. So where
0: way. did you guys guys grow up? Where were you? Chicago. So I'm gonna say that you were like a Midwestern family, like a stiff upper lip. Um, not a lot of communication, maybe anger and stuff, but not a lot of communication or warmth. Um
1: yes uh my my it's it's a little weird because my my parents were very different like my mom uh was poor, my dad was you know upper middle class uh and and so my mom was raised by european immigrants um and she, you know so she wasn't good with emotion because she was basically taught you know when you feel bad you know scrub a floor when you feel angry uh you know, go clean the bathroom right. or something. Talk
0: about coping, Co- <laughs> you know. So anyway, so um, but it wasn't something that d- did you did you think did you ever think that you were going to do comedy or you just that was just you said you were afraid of getting on stage. You never, gave never that. A, you never took that seriously.
1: No, no.
0: So how so did you pursue? So you started pursuing a degree as a shrink. Right. And then where did the comedy come in? So uh,
1: I was in around 2006, 2007, 2008, I was doing a lot of clinical work with people with social anxiety. So we were always uh, trying to think of ways to get them to challenge their social anxiety. So we would, we would bring them to the to art museums and coffee houses and karaoke bars and make them that do sounds
0: great. I yeah. want to get in a program like that. I've got <laughs> social anxiety. Okay. Right, okay.
1: And, um, And then uh, someone said to me, hey, you know, you could have your people in your group go take a comedy class because those classes usually end with like a graduation show. And I suggested that to a couple of my patients and they didn't do it. But then I thought, you know, maybe if I'm going to keep suggesting this to people, I should take the class and see what they're getting involved in. Um, And I took the class and then I kind of got hooked on comedy. Oh, really? And that's how I got into it. Yeah. That's how oh, that's I got into it. Oh, that's
0: so comedy. funny. Um, What was that like in your, say, 30s, 20s? Um, 30s? I started
1: comedy when I was 43.
0: Oh, wow. So I started yeah. way late. So Come, really like later. So you found that you enjoyed re- relating to people on stage? Um, The writing? I
1: going, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that. I, enjoyed, I just getting laughs standing on stage and getting laughs is feels really good uh, you know it's like good uh, good uh you know gets all the neurotransmitters uh you yeah know, firing and it just it feels great um and it was a, it was a challenge um and I think it became you know hanging out with comedians became kind of my social life mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and so sure. I was I was getting a lot out of it, but nothing that had to do with the reasons why I went into comedy. It was
0: right, right. You, you just well, you had an instinct for it, but then you actually just found out how much you enjoyed it. Exactly. And it, it sounds like it also made you a, you know, made your world bigger. Yes, made exactly. you bigger, made your world bigger. That exactly. sounds really good. Exactly. So do, comedians. So do comedians know I have comedians on the show quite a bit. Um, so, uh, do comedians um, know you're a shrink? Yep, yep. And so, what do? How do do they do they bring that up? Do they ever ask you for advice, or what role, Doctor Doctor What role? What like? Does that have any significance more than say you were a used car dealer or something else? Or do they ever nah. ask you for advice?
1: they don't ask me for advice, but they, they do ask me maybe to direct them toward resources. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like um, to get a referral for a therapist or maybe to ask about a, a particular treatment or uh, you know, does
0: rehab clinic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, just um, it's,
1: it's more about resources.
0: So, so with all your therapy training, psychological training. Do you feel like, do you have any, um, do you feel like it's given you any insights into what makes somebody want to do comedy in general? Or do you think comedians, um, are similar anyway?
1: I, I definitely do.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, you know, the, first of all, they, they have a distinct personality profile, uh, that's, that's one thing. So they're very, um, they're actually quite open-minded, um, open to new experiences, open to playing with ideas. It's really, it's really all about playing with ideas and and concepts. Also, it's, it's actually quite, um, high level, cognitively speaking. Mm. Uh, mm. and, and also uh, obviously you have to be a very verbal person, mm-hmm. um, And then other things. um, Humor played an an important role in in childhood for a lot of the comedians. Um, I mean, you probably know this from talking to comedians and being around comedians that for some people it was um, it was a way of sort of navigating through life. Um, You know, it was a humor could be a way to defuse tense situations or could be a way to connect Mm -hmm. with people. Or so, could like be the,
0: aware, yeah. the classic thing is that they come from troubled homes, right? That and,
1: that is the yeah, that's sort of the stereotype.
0: Uh huh. So, what do you think of that?
1: I think there's a lot of truth to it, but it's it's not a blanket truth, um, and that um, that's that's something that's a little hard to explain. Uh, because there are people even Jerry Seinfeld talks about the fact that he, he even jokes about the fact that he came from sort of a kind yeah. of a normal background. Uh, and, you know, his joke is, well, you, you make the best with the, right. the hand that you're dealt, you know?
0: Well, um, well, I always think that no matter what kind of, first of all, I, what do you think about this? I usually think that creative people that come from supportive parents, I did not, but most um, are usually in a better situation to be successful in what they're going to do if they have support, right? Do you agree with that? I think there's,
1: I, I I do, I do actually, Mm, because interesting. As much as conflict and dysfunction can fuel artistic, you know, inclinations, um, it helps to. It really helps to have a a stable home base and have to have healthy role models that can also go a long way to propelling a creative person to be productive and successful. And, you know, dysfunction, I really think gets in the way. It doesn't.
0: Right. Right. You need like a cheerleader. You need like somebody who's going to tell you you're great. And if it's it should yep. be it should be your mom.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> I completely agree. I completely But it, do- agree. it
0: doesn't have to be. I just think it's a more of a slog. Yeah, I had to to work through that. Right. Um, Right. But I I also think, you know, there is like a misnomer of that, like, you know, create you really in order to be successful as a creative person, I think you have to really have your shit together. I think you have to operate your creative practice like it's a business. No fucking around, no being late. And I think that most comedians that I've seen over the years, That have become successful. Um, uh, You know, I started out at QE. I worked at, not QED, but I worked at um, Ochi's Lounge, you know, Cambridge first. Yeah, Yeah, I had a a monthly show there with comedians, Stand Up, Lie Down. So I've been around comedians a lot. And I think that uh, um, the ones that really do make it are the ones that are the most. Well adjusted in some way,
1: yeah. It it um, because I I agree um, because you know um, it's hard to be ambif- ambitious. It's hard to be motivated, uh, and you have to have some emotional resources to to be able to 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 pull it together and 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 work hard because ultimately, you know the the comedians who are successful are are, are hard workers
0: right right and discipline i think discipline, right, discipline is like a real um important i think it's kind of like an ace in the hole if you're disciplined you can kind of get you can delay gratification get anything done yes sometimes yes. you wind up getting things done that are a waste of time too that yeah that happens. Them, but. <laughs> yeah so um has being being a therapist changed your view of yourself i mean A lot of therapists start out doing being in therapy, but you weren't in therapy when you started. Right.
1: Right. So
0: did you go into therapy? You have to, right? Well, um, I I did
1: go into therapy. I didn't, I didn't have to, um, but I kind of needed to. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's how I, that's how I ended up uh, going into therapy a couple of different times uh, in my life. -hmm. Uh, And um, could end up in therapy again at some point Mm -hmm. in my life.
0: What do you think? Your what do you think? Your what do you what do you feel like you go? You go back to work on what gets in your way? What's your personal obstacle?
1: Um, what is my personal obstacle? Uh, Well, I mean, I guess the the easy question or the easiest answer to that is depression. Oh, uh, I've I've had bouts of depression that were um, just, you know, I could barely I could barely handle it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I could barely cope. Mm-hmm. So I, and I I needed therapy to help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all the you know, it's 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 hard to be productive when you're depressed. It's hard tell to tell me be, about it. I know. Yeah, I it's know. hard to be. Yeah. It's hard to just do even basic things. So
0: um. Was I, your depression circumstantial, or was it like you didn't know where it came from? Do you do you understand? Well, like what, where I it comes think, from? Yeah mm-hmm. i I
1: think there I think there are two parts to it. One is just uh, in our family, we there's just a, a a long history of depression, so people are vulnerable. Uh, yeah, to depression. And then I think growing up in a house where, um you know, it just wasn't a, it wasn't a supportive, like, I didn't, I didn't come out of my family with a good sense of self-efficacy. Like I, I didn't feel like I could do things, I could accomplish things. I, mm-hmm. It's not that I felt worthless, but I didn't feel capable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, th- I think, you know, like you were talking about having that cheerleader, uh, I think not having that cheerleader, neither of my parents was a cheerleader. Uh-huh. Uh, and that sort of I had to do all that stuff for myself. Right. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, having no idea how to do that, you you just kind of make it up at first. And then eventually maybe you learn a little bit more about how to do it in a healthy way through, Mm -hmm. in my case, through therapy. Uh, But I was fortunate enough to have some good friendships along the way.
0: Yeah, you had support system, right? right? Some
1: support. Do you think um, some
0: of that was being the youngest, like everybody's better because they're just older and more capable? Well not um not in my no. family. <laughs> okay, not that's family. not so that theory's not not gonna well, work. Well, no, I,
1: I think that's a good theory. I, I, I it works,
0: I, it's sometimes true, but not in your case.
1: No, because because um we're I it's in some ways being the youngest did help me, um because you you get a lot of attention for yeah you know you're right. like every, you know my older sisters still treat me like I'm four years old which <laughs> which I kind of like you know they they dote on me and and Aww. so yeah I know everyone in my family doted on me so that that was that was good it made me it did make me feel loved
0: Oh um, but it's it, well, it, good to hear yeah 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 that's no, uplifting it's, yeah that that's so, the so let's supporters. talk about medication um okay. i'm on antidepressants are you uh
1: i have taken antidepressants
0: you're not on them right now though no no what what kind i take ssri inhibitors how about you is that what you're taking yeah yep. is that pretty much what everybody takes now i think so <laughs> yeah you I know mean one form or another one yeah. brand or another of it yeah
1: Lexapro, Celexa.
0: yeah they're all uh, the same so what do you what's your what's your thoughts about medication
1: well, I'm, I'm very, I'm mostly pro medication. I, I mean, I think, you know, medication gets overprescribed, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, in, in the case of depression, I, I really think of depression as both a biological and a psychological disorder. So um, that, uh, especially in cases where people are severely depressed, uh, it might be that, that they need something more than psychotherapy that they, that they also need something acting on them, you know, the Mm -hmm. biology of their brain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and the research just is, is pretty good when it comes to the, Mm -hmm. the, the, the the data showing the the effectiveness. That's
0: effective. What about long-term side effects? Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Um, well, yes. Uh, I, I, I think it's, I think it's something to be concerned about, Uh, but at the same time, um, like Prozac, for example, has been around since 1987. Mm -hmm. And so in that time, we, we don't really, you know, if there, if there are bad long-term side effects caused by medication in some people, you'll see those effects early on. Mm -hmm. uh, And, and everyone else it comes later. So in the case of Prozac, for example, there isn't really any well-established known long-term effect that, you know, the, the medical community needs to, to react to and say, Hey, this is a major problem. Mm-hmm. Now we, we might discover something like that in the, mm-hmm. in the future, mm-hmm. but, but there's not a lot of evidence uh, of it so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the, the, the biggest downside or I don't know what to call it. Um, but I think the longer you stay on um, uh, an antidepressant, the harder it is to get off of an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's not a problem. Maybe if, if the medication is working and and it doesn't have serious mm-hmm. detrimental effects, then maybe it makes sense to stay well, on Well, why did
0: you get off of it? Um. You just didn't feel like you needed it?
1: Um, yeah, yes.
0: And was yeah. it hard to get off of it?
1: It was. It was. It took really? a year. It took a year. Wow.
0: Yeah. You, you would get yeah. like bouts of depression, anxiety and stuff like that.
1: Um. No, the the side effects were like w- weird lightheadedness. Um, hmm. Interesting. It was it was uncomfortable. Um, what do you
0: what do you sorry? I interrupted you. No, go ahead. Uh, what do you think about um I've been told that I interrupt. Um, what do you think by my by my peers here at Radio Free Brooklyn? They tell me that. So anyway, um, what about um, uh, what about medication? Like what about ayahuasca and you know mescaline and all those psychedelics? Those are coming back. They are coming back. Yes. They're. So what do you think about that stuff? Have you done any of that stuff?
1: Well, not in any prescribed way. No. (laughs) But I have, yes. Um, Well, apparently there there are some incredible benefits uh, for things like depression, PTSD, Mm -hmm. anxiety disorders, even um, uh, death anxiety. Uh, Mm -hmm. Things like um, uh, mushrooms, you know, psilocybin and, Mm -hmm. and mescaline seem to have some um, some surprisingly good benefits.
0: You know what? I want to switch topics. I mean, not switch topics, but, you know, what always bothers me about shrinks is that phony blank slate like you're supposed to be the blank slate mm-hmm. and uh they're not supposed to know anything about you. I don't really want to know a lot about my shrink, but that always seems so contrived and fake. What do you think about that? Are you like that in therapy? I'm you not know?
1: like that in therapy. I, what I do you actually- like.
0: I'm, I just, my, my philosophy is
1: I try to be as close to the real me as possible uh, with some exceptions um, uh, because there still needs to be a boundary. It's the therapy session is not about me. You know, it's about the client or the patient. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the point being, you know, if, if they start asking me a lot of personal questions at some point i I will draw the line. But Mm I try to I try to just be myself. I don't like the blank slate thing. I think Mm -hmm. people need to feel that they're in the room with an authentic human.
0: Why don't therapists ever tell you you're done like you can leave now? I I did. I did. We've done the best we can. Do you ever do that?
1: Yes. Yes. You do? You yeah. graduate people?
0: You, yes. I, you're the first shrink I've ever spoken to. And I've spoken to a lot. I've had a lot of shrinks. I've never seen one say, okay, we're finished. You're great. Good to go. Good
1: well, job. What, well <laughs> what I'll usually say is you've made a lot of progress. If you told me that you wanted to stop therapy, I don't think I could give you a, a convincing argument that you need to stay. I'll, I'll say something like that. In other words, leaving, leaving it up to them. Uh, now might be a good time to, to take a vacation from therapy to stop, to see if you can be your own therapist for a while.
0: Self-reliance.
1: Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't want to sound like I kick people out of therapy if, if they're not, if they're not feeling ready. Um, but I will, I will say you've, you've made a lot of progress. Let's talk about discontinuing. You
0: Do know. you think people get dependent on their therapists? course yeah i yeah 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 and that's a that's a big thing right they they wind up projecting like you're their dad or or somebody that cares about them and then they can't get rid of you right but <laughs> yeah you make no, a lot of money I, I think, that way uh, yeah
1: and and if it's if it's happening yeah that, and that's that's a problem i mean that's a, that's bad that should that shouldn't happen mm-hmm. but um it, it, if 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 therapists are creating dependency and then they're making money off of that, that's a problem.
0: That's so bad. And but there's no regulation. That's why I make fun of them a lot. There's no regulation. And I'm sure you you seem like a really ethical guy. You've got a broad range of interests. But I mean, you know, there's no regulation on these people. uh, You're right. And that that really bothers me. so I was going to ask you about but you kind of already um, said Jerry Seinfeld. I was going to ask you, so, Jerry, do you think, Jerry, what what would, would shrink what comedian seems like they have their shit together? And we is that what you would say, Jerry Seinfeld? Yeah, but o-
1: only because I've heard him talk about this issue, uh, you know, publicly um, in interviews or whatever. Um, so that and the reason I say that is because, it's really, you You know, it, it's so hard to tell who has their shit together if, they, if you don't get the real story
0: from them. Right. Personally. Right. You really can't tell, can you? You can't, you can't. tell if a comedian you like you re- unless you really get to know them. Right. Well, like a friend. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Just exactly. Does, does being um, ther- a therapist and having that education and experiences that help you deal with comedy clubs and all the the the, you know, horrors that people have to deal with in comedy. Other com- comedians can be evil and competitive, not all yes. of them. But right. Yes. That that can be a very, you know, tough group. Not nice, not yeah. always. But there is that element that we you know, anybody who's ever been on stage has to deal with. Right. Yes. That yeah. some of them are just really competitive. They don't want you to do well in any, in any field, really. Right.
1: That happens in any field. I, so I Yes. Yeah, so to answer that- your question. Yes. I, I think, um, you know, the, the, <clears throat> the things that I would tell to a, a patient of mine are, I, you know, are the things that I tell myself about rejection or seeming, if it seems like other comedians don't like me or something. Uh, I I think I'm at this stage of my life. I think I'm pretty resilient to that. kind of. I, mm. I don't like it, right? Uh, but I can I can I can deal with it. I, I have right. ways of coping with it.
0: So you don't take it personally. So you've learned how not to take that stuff personally I've,
1: or to. Yeah, to really minimize how much. But like I, when
0: you see like some young, young person taking it personally, do you go over and like give them a talk a nice talk uh, only
1: if only if they ask me only if yeah. they specifically ask me how to deal with it yeah or
0: like they're off crime you just let them cry if you see well I, I, you're just like oh well I, he's got to learn ah, I, I not my problem i i guess what i'm saying is i i just i don't give unsolicited advice oh uh, well that's good because you, you, that could be really annoying couldn't it yes if you were yes. d- or if you were if you were going to do that
1: yeah i don't think people would like it
0: right did that right so how do you think the comedy feeds the psychology vice versa like where where do you personally feel there's a crossover like what what about you what about you um you know meshes with both of these as one lifestyle let's call it that oh well
1: i think a lot of different ways um I mean, me personally. um, I I think comedy. It it took a while before I felt like I knew what I was doing. I mean, at at least five years, um, probably more than that. So I think it it gave me a sense of. It gave me a. We were talking about self efficacy before. It's it's actually given me more of a sense of like that I can do difficult things if I, if I put some effort into it mm-hmm. and that, that, um, I can handle a challenge. Um, and that, um, you know, uh, I, I think less fearful about taking risks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think as a therapist, I'm probably, um, more assertive in a good way. Uh, huh um and definitely more comfortable talking in front of students um less anxiety about that i'm still Mm -hmm. a little anxiety But but do you
0: think about them the same way i mean is there a problem solving thing or do you ever use the material you get with your patients um like human insights and stuff like that oh
1: like uh, do i talk about that on stage yeah i i have in the past i've I've talked about well not any particular patient but maybe right. a, a blend of yeah uh yeah so sort of a disguised version of a a former patient um i mean going back like 20 years uh but 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 i guess yeah i guess the answer to that is yes
0: so it's kind of like i mean i think that comedy does have a lot to do with human behavior, right? Commenting yes. on human behavior yep. and observing human behavior. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think, I think there is like a very not in all not in all cases. I mean, there's comedians where there's no connection between psychology, but I, I think for the most part, there's a pretty good connection.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and you know, getting back to what you asked about earlier, um, you know what. What are the shared patterns among all comedians? And that's one of them is that comedians are like psychologists in the sense that they're always observing and they're always analyzing,
0: mm-hmm. they're not just
1: observing, but right, they're trying, to, right, they're trying right. to make sense out of things or try to understand it and then you know put a new spin on it, obviously.
0: Yeah. I'm always um I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of like ambivalent about how I feel about that I'm a Mark. I'm a Mark Marin fan, but I'm ambivalent villain about how I feel about that. Do you do you listen to him? You know, I, I wonder I what heard, you think of him.
1: I, I have heard a little bit of him, not as much as um, I can't say. I, I know his act very well, but I've heard um, he had a, a TV show there on Netflix. For, yeah, like, yeah, I, I saw f- like three episodes of that. I, l- I liked it.
0: Uh huh. I always um, think that he is. um He's very competitive and I think and I think he misses a lot of self-awareness. Like he sounds like he's really self-aware, but I think I think he's got a lot of really great defenses, but we 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 don't need to. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but I mean, you can kind of you can kind of I think comedians do expose themselves in that way. Not all of them, but you can sort of see what they're like. yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think like I think, you know, people say comedians are really angry a lot. I mean, these are huge generalizations, but I often think that there's this kind of like fuck you. Get out of my way quality in all performers that that not all performers, but that is often an element of why somebody is good at performing. They're just like they don't give a fuck. <laughs> get out of my way like Chelsea Handler's like that.
1: hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: you know put that down and shut up you know you just like if you were going to if you had your phone on in front of her she would just yell at you in front of everybody right but yeah. what do you, what do you think about that quality that kind of scares me about other people but at the same time I'm sort of envious of it
1: i think i don't think all comedians start off that way i think a lot sort of acquire that over time because they realize that they have to take command of the stage. And that means sometimes being more assertive than they would be offstage. Um, cause I, I think, I think in general, the onstage persona is a, is a more forceful, assertive version of that person mm-hmm. than their offstage, you know, day-to-day personality.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I, I mean, I know what you're talking about. Uh, And I think a lot of people, for a lot of comedians, that comes easily to them. Mm -hmm. But I think there's probably another 50% of comedians who just become more like that Mm -hmm. over time.
0: Mm -hmm. So can you, do you have a favorite comedian right now? Is there somebody that you've seen perform or that you particularly enjoy? I I mean,
1: lately, I, I really am a big fan of Bill Burr.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah have you um, met him? You've probably met him.
1: I have not met him. No. I've not met him.
0: Have you seen you see you've seen him perform live?
1: I have never seen him live.
0: Does he he's not in New York very much or I don't I don't we even don't know. We don't even know. Well you're busy. No. Look, you've got like three jobs that you're trying to hold on to. Right, um exactly. so uh yeah, I know. Who has time to go anywhere? Right. And when exactly. did I ever but now I can't even go anywhere. But when did I ever have time to go anywhere? Anyway, um, so Bill Burr, comedian's comedian, right? Yeah. What do you like yeah. about him? He's a great comedian. I mean, I, I agree.
1: I like his um, <clears throat> his his forcefulness um, and his his sort of fearlessness uh, to take risks um, and to to say things. Um, to, to just to take risks like to to put out their ideas that might be controversial and but I, but i also at the same time i don't like uh comedians who are unnecessarily um edgy and but i don't think that he is unnecessarily edgy i think he's i think he's he says some edgy things um but i, I think he actually puts a lot of thought into them um, like they're well thought out ideas. He's not
0: a shock value guy.
1: Thank you, thank you. Okay. See, you're you're good at this.
0: I am. Oh, thank you. That made me feel so good. Oh, but you- um, we only have. Um, Four, three and a half minutes left so i've got to make sure that we get everything in and wrap this up so but one of the most important things i want people you guys listeners to know is that you can see much more about wilson mcdermott at his website including you've got some great comedy things on there and you i want to ask you about so anyway let me just tell you guys okay it's wilson w-i-l-s-o-n mcdermott and that's M-C-D-E-R-M-U-T dot com. And I'm going to put it on my Facebook page, too, if you forget it. You should go look him up and uh, learn more about his comedy and, and read his bio because it's weird and c- <laughs> it's crazy. So um, so, you know, what I've done is um, in d- all different forms. I do psychotherapy on audience volunteers, and I have done like videos where I do therapy on people. And it gets edited and stuff like that. So um, you know, and the stage and stuff like that. So you have some practice like that that you've done, right? Well, you have done some kind of therapy on camera as well. Oh,
1: oh, uh, uh, Lynn Bixenspan and Morgan Pieli uh, have a show at QED called Relationship. Oh,
0: uh-huh. uh huh.
1: and they have me on as a guest uh, therapist every now and then.
0: Oh, you're the guest therapist. I've heard yes. about that show. Oh, yeah. so how does it work? Do you comment afterwards?
1: Yeah, so the the it's it's actually a really fun show and but interesting um, because it gets pretty intense sometimes. So the uh, they'll have three storytellers or comedians, and then the last performer will you know do like a, a ten minute set or tell a ten minute story or do ten minutes of jokes, mm-hmm. and then. Um, will basically me and Lynn and Morgan will basically do a little mini therapy session with them about 20 minutes. Oh, uh, and, and it usually, you know, the, the story that they tell on stage, uh, becomes a springboard into the, right the, the sort of the therapy session.
0: Yeah. Kind of, kind of, kind of similar in a way. Yeah. Um, but um i think there's something very cathartic about having people do that in front of other people
1: i i mean i do too but but um but the the performers actually think that uh i mean they say that they they feel mm-hmm. that uh you know it's not necessarily going to Mm-hmm. Completely revolutionized their life, but um,
0: you, they, they can get a lot out of it. They right? get they
1: get a lot out of it, considering it's only right, a, totally you know, half hour. Yeah.
0: So, um, anyway, w- do you have anything coming up? Have you been? I mean, it's a terrible time for anybody to perform. Have you just been trying to like, you know, write and do what you can do? And
1: yeah, I've done some Zoom shows, and mm-hmm. you know, I had been running a show at Lone Kettering for a few years, and um. We stopped, but then we restarted. Oh, and that's we're, great! We're doing a Zoom. It's a Zoom show. Yeah. So the the patients can be in their bed, in their hospital room, in bed, and and as long as they have a computer, they can attend the show. Oh, so, wow! That yeah. is yeah, so, so like good. That, that is yeah.
0: really that is really good. That is really it's really giving back. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, thanks a lot, Wilson. I'm glad that we finally got to talk, and uh, this is awesome. All right. Yeah.